0: Turn with me in your Bibles to the Scripture reading, Nehemiah 13, verses 15 through 22. And this does conclude our series in Nehemiah. Hear the Word of God. In those days I saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath, And bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys and also wine, grapes, figs and all kinds of loads which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them on that day when they sold food, Tyrrhenians also who lived in the city brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah in Jerusalem itself. Then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil thing that you are doing, profaning the Sabbath day? Did your fathers not act this way, and did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on this city? Now you are bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. As soon as it began to grow dark at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the door should be shut. And gave orders that they should not be opened until after the Sabbath. And I stationed some of my servants at the gates, that no load might be brought in on the Sabbath day. Then the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. But I warned them and said to them, Why are you lodging outside the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time on, they did not come on the Sabbath. Then I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember this also in my favor, O my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this admonition and encouragement Thank you for the reading of the law by Scott that we are to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy and what that means to put you at the center of our Sabbath day observance and that we would worship you for you are worthy to be worshipped. We thank you Father that in our hearts you have confirmed that Sunday is just not another day but it is a day that we set aside to worship you the living and true God. May that that wonderful truth sink deep into our souls. May we be examples to one another and to those around us that our God is a God worthy to be worshipped. That what we're doing right now in this gathering of worshiping believers, setting this time aside for corporate worship what corporate worship, what we're doing right now is but a foretaste of heaven. What we're doing right now is a practice for what we'll do for an eternity, and that is to worship you, the living and true God. Oh, make our hearts rejoice that we have the privilege of coming together faithfully, weekly, to worship you, the living and true God, and to say to the world, you are worthy to be worshipped. Hear this our prayer for Christ's sake. Amen. Linda and I left Boston, Massachusetts in 1970. I graduated from seminary, and our first call was Fort Lauderdale, Florida. We weren't, we weren't used to the, uh, to the environment of Fort Lauderdale. It was uh, beach boys and fun and uh, everybody enjoying themselves. But what we realized very quickly was that Sunday was just another day. Sunday was just another day. It didn't matter. I mean, all the businesses were open. People went about their business. Most of them weren't in worship, and we were sort of taken back. And then three years later, we moved to Gadsden, Alabama. Gadsden, Alabama, and we entered into a deep South time warp. Sunday blue laws were still in effect. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Sunday blue laws. They were community blue laws that said no business opens on the Sabbath day. Kmart broke that rule. (laughs) And all of a sudden, all the businesses started opening up. Five years later, we went back to South Florida and And the only enterprise, seemingly, that was closed on the Sabbath day was Publix Supermarket. Anybody remember when Publix was closed on the Sabbath? Thank you, Ann. Amazing. Sunday in South Florida was just another day. And so we fast forward to right now. What enterprise that's doing remarkably well continues to be closed on the Sabbath day, amazingly, you can say it, Chick-fil-A. Truett Cathy, in a commitment to his employees to give them one day of rest, but the purpose was that they would worship the living and true God on that day, and it's still happening. Now, you would think, Publix is open, while we were still in Miami. Publix stopped giving their employees that whole day off. And so today we know that Publix is open on Sundays. But Chick-fil-A, do you think that they would not make enough money to continue? No, there are the best fast foods restaurant three years in a row making the most money with the Sabbath being honored and the employees being encouraged to worship. Scott introduced us to the low idea of the Sabbaths by members of congregations. When I became a minister almost 50 years ago, uh, it was remarkable that the habit of the congregations were four out of four, Then it became three out of four. And today, it's estimated that the average member of an evangelical congregation think they're doing God a service by attending worship two out of four times. Where am I going with all this? What we're doing now is preparatory for worshiping the living and true God forever and ever and ever. If we can't get excited about what we're doing now and being faithful in our commitment Heaven's going to be a pretty boring place. Context Chapter 13 concludes our series in Nehemiah. The wall surrounding Jerusalem, as you know, has been built and dedicated. Ezra the the priest has read the law, meaning the moral law, but also Moses' law, has read the law. The people have repented of their sins and covenanted together to be the people of God. We will serve you faithfully. Fast forward now to our passage of Scripture. It's 12 years later, and Nehemiah comes back. And what does he come back to? Nehemiah's returned in his absence, in his service to the king. But upon his return, he finds that the people of God, they are lax again in obedience to the commandments. Once again, the Sabbath is just another day of enterprise. In our transition, verses 15 through 22, it underscores one of several challenges Nehemiah faced upon his return to Jerusalem. What was he going to do about this now? The people were not keeping the Sabbath day holy. At had become just another day for commerce, faithfulness to the fourth commandment, and their regard for the worship had been short-lived. And then I say to myself, sound familiar? Sadly, in our day and age, Sunday's just another day of the week. Even for Christians, worship is not a high priority. And so, my heart stirred to read this passage of Scripture and to really dig into what is worship. And so, I have a four interrogatives as we work through, and so systematically, if you would just follow along with me. What is worship? Who is to be worshipped? Why is worship so important to a Christian? And how are we to worship? What, who, why, and how? Uh, what is worship? Our English word means worth denoting the worthiness of an individual to receive special honor in accordance with that worth. How worthy they are, more honor. Whom do we as Christians worship? Well, we worship the living and true God. He's revealed himself in Scripture as a triune God. Our Westminster Confession of Faith, and that is the standard by which uh, we lead the congregations as teaching elders and ruling elders, has a whole chapter set aside, and we confirm that that's what we believe and how we would live our lives accordingly, meaning those who are officers in the Presbyterian Church in America. Chapter 21 is titled, Of Religious Worship and the Sabbath Day. Let me read it for you. The light of nature showeth that there is a God who has lordship and sovereignty over all. This God is good, and He does good to all, and is therefore to be feared, loved, praised, called upon, trusted in, and served with all the heart, with all the soul, and with all the might. But, The acceptable way of worshiping the true God is instituted by God Himself, and so limited by His own revealed will, and that other worship is not to be according to imaginations, or the devices of men, or the suggestions of Satan under any visible representation, or in any way other than prescribed in the Holy Scriptures. In other words, Scripture tells us how to worship. Religious worship is to be given to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and to Him alone. What is worship? It's bringing honor to one who is worthy of worship. Secondly, whom do we worship as Christians? We worship the living and true God. God is revealed in the Scripture as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thirdly, why is He alone worthy of? to be worshipped because he's the only true God. We remember that from memorizing the Ten Commandments. Scott was talking about many of us memorize the Fourth Commandment. I'm the Lord thy God, brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Scott, in his sermon last week, highlighted that we worship. God, our King. And then he said, our King, who is our Creator, our Savior, and our Sustainer. you remember that? That He is our Creator, our Savior, and our Sustainer. So the question is, why is He worthy to be worshipped? Because He created us. <laughs> We're His. We've been created in the image of God. And God has a purpose for that. Our first Shorter Catechism question uh, asks us what? What is man's chief end? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. We were created for Him. How may we enjoy Him best? We may enjoy Him best as we've been created to worship Him as He is worthy to be worshiped. Secondly, He's our Redeemer through the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and gave Himself for us, who died that we may have life eternal. Life eternal. Life eternal doing what? Worshiping Him, the living and true God. Revelation chapter 4 says, those surrounded around the throne continue to say constantly, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then lastly, as Scott opened it up, He's the king who is our sustainer. He maintains us. He provides for us. In his providence, all things are set in order that we may know him better and love him and serve him and worship him. Why is he alone worthy to be worshiped? Because he's the living and true God. Psalm 95 says this. It should be up there, right? Oh, come let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. What's the context? Starts with a W. Context. The context of Psalm 95 is worship. For the Lord is a great God and thee a great King above all gods. In His hand are the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountains are His also. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. O oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. A praise song centered around those very words. Calling us to worship the living and true God who is worthy to be worshipped, and He and He alone. But the question has to be, and you need to root it into your soul, is he worthy? Is God really worthy of your worship? Ben has led us several times to a song. Very simple song, but profound. Is he worthy? Here are some of those phrases of that Andrew Peterson hymn. Does the Father truly love us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. Does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those He loves? He does. Does our God intend to dwell again among us? He does. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave He is David's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave. From every people and tribe, every nation and tongue, he has made us a kingdom and priest to God to reign with the Son. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy of this? And then the cry is, he is. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is He is. He is. Worthy. Revelation 5 verses 1 through 14 is the foundation of this hymn by Andrew Peterson. I'm going to read the whole of chapter 5. When it talks about the scroll, is he worthy to open the scroll? It represents the mysteries of God that only Jesus Christ is worthy to open. And so as I as I begin to read and I want to read slowly through this I want you to think of each one of these phrases, each one of these paragraphs. That's a foretaste of what we can expect in heaven. there are few glimpses in the whole of Scripture about what heaven's going to be like and what we'll be doing in glory. We will spend an eternity affirming the worthiness of our triune God, in particular the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And as I said earlier, what we're doing right now is practice, Worship now is practicing what we're going to do forever and ever and ever. I remember as a kid thinking about how boring heaven was going to be. I used to kid with my my buddies. I can't see myself being an angel and and floating around on clouds. Why don't you bring your baseball glove and, and a ball, and I'll bring my baseball glove and a bat. And and you know, if it really gets really boring, let's let's play bait. how how small minded of me as a kid, and yet have you thought what heaven's gonna be like forever and ever and ever? Archie Parrish, a PCA pastor, died yesterday morning at 530. Flyn and I love this man dearly. He entered into our lives in the late 60s he officiated at our wedding through the decades he was my mentor he loved us dearly he encouraged us there were times that he would admonish me as my mentor the tables were turned when he came to work at mission to north america he was already worshipping he was already working there when i became the coordinator and now the one who mentored me, I was responsible for, and that never changed our relationship. He died of pancreatic cancer. Over the last two months, Linda and I sat in his presence four Sunday afternoons. I asked him very directly this past Sunday afternoon, what did he think heaven was going to be like? I was waiting for this profound (laughs) presentation of what heaven was going to be like. You know what he said? Surprises. And I'm thinking to myself right now, he's in the midst of those surprises, but he's in the midst of glorifying God, worshiping the living and true God, singing praises unto God. He had been prepared for a lifetime, died at 87 Faithful, faithful in his proclamation of the Lord God Almighty and worshiping the King of kings and Lord of lords. And then lastly, is he worthy? How are we to worship if he is worthy? If we don't um, miss the point in this passage of Scripture, very clearly Scott said that Theologians are divided. I happen to be on the other side. I believe that this is binding to us. This is one of the Ten Commandments. But God in His grace has given it to us. Not to put it to us and to to make us miserable on a Sunday. But to place within our hearts by His sovereign Spirit that we anticipate coming together in corporate worship and glorifying God. For he made us for this. I'll read again what Scott read. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You nor your son nor your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner. Who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. If you don't get anything else out of this, it is a day set apart, and the focus of that day is to worship the living and true God. Worship is central. As a, as a minister of the gospel, and, and next year I'll celebrate 50 years as an ordained minister in the PCA, uh, I've seen the joy in people's hearts of coming to worship. I've seen those who just don't appreciate what God's doing in the midst of worship, and they come looking straight-laced, sober, and sad, like God has just put something you know, heavy, burden on them. They can't wait to get out of the worship service and really live for the rest of the day. And yet God says, he's created us for worship because he's worthy of worship. And what does that look like? Well, I've tried to outline very simply what is worship, who is to be worshipped, why is worship so important to the Christian, and how are we to worship? We're to worship him, the living and true God, setting one day aside, a day of rest, but specifically a day of worship in preparation for our great Worship service that lasts for an eternity. I have one takeaway. Scott gives you more than one. I'm going to give you one takeaway. If you don't think God is worthy to be worshiped faithfully every week, then why in hell do you think you'll be in heaven? Let me pray. Father, no disrespect for those who heard what I just read. But if you are worthy to be worshipped, then nothing should come in between the commitment, faithfully, weakly, to be in your presence, corporately worshiping you, worthy, worthy of worship, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are our Creator. You're our Savior, and your providence, our sustainer. And the sooner we get our understanding straight to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, the better it will be for our souls and for the joy we have in preparing ourselves worship Sunday after worship Sunday to your glory in anticipation of an eternal worship service around the throne and the Lamb who gave Himself for us. Hear our prayer for Christ's sake. Amen.